Is the world becoming more dangerous? This is one of the most important questions we should be asking. Peace and safety are among our most basic needs and are often touted as goals for new governments, ideologies, or religions. It's a question we ask ourselves when walking our children to school or watching the news, whether it's local, national, or international. Peace and safety are constant concerns, and yet they continue to elude mankind. Is the world trending towards a harmonious society where war becomes a thing of the past, poverty ceases to exist, and violent crime is no longer a concern? During the past several decades, major shifts both on the world stage and locally have us trending in a disturbing direction. On today's program, we'll hear from a top general in the Canadian Forces and the Secretary General of the United Nations on what they see occurring in geopolitics and how it's affecting global stability. We'll review reports of trends occurring in the United States and also right here in Canada that are impacting the daily lives of millions and paint a clear picture of the current state of affairs in these Western nations. We'll ask why peace and safety have been so elusive and provide hope for an optimistic outlook. Be sure to stay tuned to Tomorrow's World as we examine our increasingly dangerous world. The first half of the 20th century was marked by wars on such a grand scale that merely referring to them as wars was not enough. These were world wars. The second half of the century saw less bloodshed, but no less tension as world war gave way to cold war. A war of anxiety, a war of constant fear. In previous centuries, wives would wave goodbye to their husband's soldiers and pray for their safe return. That gave way to the constant unknown, the possibility that war could instantaneously bring a ballistic missile and mushroom cloud. War was no longer just an overseas issue, but something close to home. While the Cold War produced some incredibly tense moments, such as the Cuban Missile Crisis, it never turned fully hot. The Soviet Union rapidly collapsed, and a new enemy was found in terrorism whose potential for destruction now seems to have waned considerably. With only a single superpower present, the world scene appeared to stabilize. Globalization, including trade, brought together nations that were previously seen as enemies, and the threat of war seemingly evaporated. However, that sense of ease has not lasted. On the 24th of February, 2022, Russian President Vladimir Putin took to the airways to announce his decision to launch a special military operation in eastern Ukraine. Within minutes, explosions were reported in Kyiv, Odessa, and the Donbass. General Wayne Eyre serves as the chief of the defense staff for the Canadian forces. He describes the dangerous situation. This event has caused us to face the most dangerous time in the world in what I would argue is generations. And so we have to continue to be prepared for what may come. War always has collateral damage. It always has ripples that spread far beyond the field of combat. We often talk of the polarization occurring within our own nation, but it must be realized that as U.S. dominance on the world stage decreases, so too do many of the forces pushing globalization. Nations are increasingly concerned with establishing, maintaining, and protecting their own sphere of influence, their own source of resources, and their own trading blocks. What we see occurring on the world scene is the rise of regional powers and increasing tensions between them. 
General Eyre summarized the primary difference between the Cold War and the current conflict. He said the Cold War had basically two sides, but the world is much more complicated today. We're facing a much more dangerous world as we go forward. This is not to say that the current conflict in the Ukraine will escalate into another world war. However, it is indicative of a change in the geopolitical climate from the previous decades. Many regional powers are resentful of what they see as American interference. And the U.S. is sending mixed signals as to whether it still sees itself as the traffic cop of the world. The United Nations issued a press release containing remarks made by Secretary General Antonio Guterres. I'd like to share a fair amount of this release as he outlines many concerns reaching far beyond the Ukraine. I am often asked whether we are in a new Cold War. My answer is that the threat to global security is now more complex and probably higher than at that time. During much of the Cold War, there were mechanisms that enabled the protagonists to calculate risks and use back channels to prevent crises. Today, many of those systems no longer exist, and most of the people trained to use them are no longer here with us. So miscommunication and miscalculation can make a minor incident between powers escalate out of control, causing incalculable harm. It is fascinating that he highlights the possibilities of miscommunication in a time when it seems communication is easier than ever. Technological breakthroughs, however, have made trusting electronic communications on items relevant to national security very difficult. He then goes on to highlight many more dangers facing our world today. A widespread failure by states to deliver essential services and respond to the aspirations of their people is also giving rise to tension and social unrest. Coups used to happen once every couple of years. In 2022, it's once every couple of weeks. These developments are both a symptom and a cause of the increased unpredictability and fragility of the global landscape. One of the potential ripple effects of the current crisis in Ukraine is the possibility of food shortages in nations dependent on Russian and Ukrainian wheat. One of the contributing factors to the Arab Spring was a horrendous wheat crop that led to food shortages across the Arab world. Many nations are vulnerable to food shortages or financial tightening, which could lead to collapse and revolt. Governments face debt default and financial ruin, while their people face poverty, unemployment, hunger, and despair. We are seeing danger increasing on the world stage in many ways. The increasing instability in many nations could result in conflicts which have a way of drawing in more and more nations. Another United Nations report shows that relations between some nuclear nations are of increasing concern. While the number of nuclear weapons has dropped from more than 60,000 during the Cold War to around 14,000 today, nuclear weapons are more powerful today. At the same time, relations between nuclear-armed states are fraying and divisions over the pace and scale of disarmament are growing. It is not one particular event, nation, or crisis that we should point to as causing the world to become more dangerous. The overall trend is clear, and it is pushing forward on many different fronts. Any single threat would likely be dealt with, but what we see is an assortment of initiatives that are causing the world to become a more dangerous place. The same report summarizes many of these fronts. Globally, the absolute number of war deaths has been declining since 1946, and yet conflict and violence are currently on the rise, with many conflicts today waged between non-state actors, such as political militias, criminal and international terrorist groups. 
unresolved regional tensions, a breakdown in the rule of law, absent or co-opted state institutions, illicit economic gain, and the scarcity of resources have become dominant drivers of conflict. Yes, the world is becoming increasingly dangerous on a global scale. In the next portion of today's program, we will see that there are also increasing dangers on a local level. And while these are important trends to watch and be aware of, we'll also conclude the program by highlighting some vital reasons for optimism. Before we come back, I encourage you to take the time to order today's featured DVD. It will be sent to you at no charge and contains three Tomorrow's World telecasts offering insight into world events. Order your copy of The Collapse of World Order today. Welcome back. Today we are looking at the prospect that our world is growing increasingly more dangerous. We've looked at this from a global geopolitical scale, but now let's bring the discussion a little closer to home. What about life in general here in Canada and the United States? Similar to our last segment, when our minds may have immediately jumped to the worst times in recent history, such as the First or Second World War, resulting in us quickly discarding the notion that the world is becoming more dangerous. Here we could think of slavery, we could think of the times of the Wild West, or the influenza pandemic of 1919 and say, of course things are better now. What about comparing the last several decades? What direction are we trending in? Two elements that have been essential in providing a relatively safe society are basic morality and the rule of law. Theft and violence have generally been viewed as wrong, and this view as an underlying principle has aided in promoting a peaceful society. However, we are seeing the erosion of morality and rule of law in many ways. A lack of respect for the law by those who should be abiding by it, and a lack of action by those who should be enforcing it. The increase in shoplifting, for example, in the city of San Francisco has become a key example. In 2014, Proposition 47 passed in California, reclassifying nonviolent thefts as misdemeanors if the stolen goods cost less than $950. The result has been a dramatic increase in shoplifting as it has greatly reduced the penalty for getting caught, removing the ability to appropriately enforce the law. The one trend we are seeing is more violence and escalating, and much more bold, said Commander Raj Veswani, the head of Investigations Bureau at the San Francisco Police Department. We see a lot of repeat offenders. Oftentimes, those who argue in favor of repealing a specific law or question the enforcement of what they see as a minor infraction fail to consider the very real concern of escalation. Yes, the proposition specified nonviolent. But the result was an increase in violence. San Francisco Board of Supervisors member Asha Safai highlights the connection between lack of enforcement and crime. Thieves are obviously choosing locales based on what the consequences are, Safai said. If there are no consequences for their actions, then you invite the behavior over and over. However, this is not confined to California a fact that hit home for me less than a week prior to recording this program, when my wife and daughter were shopping in a department store here in London, Ontario. Someone walked in, helped themselves to a few jackets, and walked right out. The alarms went off, but the clerk simply commented that there was nothing they could do, and that this was not an uncommon incident. The Retail Council of Canada recently reported that a logjam of criminal cases in the courts are creating an atmosphere where laws regarding shoplifting are going largely unenforced. Across Canada, people accused of petty crimes like shoplifting, minor assault and fraud 
are walking free because the justice system doesn't have time to deal with their cases as it struggles to move more serious crimes through the courts. The deterrent for theft and shoplifting in stores is, of course, often that there can be legal consequences. Where people feel that crime can be committed without reciprocation, immoral activities will flourish. Shoplifting is not the only issue at hand. While many claim that legalizing a formerly illegal drug would lead to a decrease in the use of other illegal drugs, the last few years have rendered that claim laughable as the opioid epidemic spirals out of control. This is not even taking into account the call for police forces to be disbanded or defunded. What would occur when there is no one left to enforce the law? One basic question that we can ask to determine whether society is becoming more safe or dangerous is how long people are living. Robert Anderson, chief of the mortality statistics at the National Center for Health Statistics, had this to say about life expectancy. Even small declines in life expectancy of a tenth or two tenths of a year mean that on a population level, a lot more people are dying prematurely than they really should be. He described a tenth or two tenths of a year decrease as indication that a lot of people were dying prematurely. What decrease are we seeing today in the United States? In 2021, the average American could expect to live until the age of 76, federal health researchers reported on Wednesday. The figure represents a loss of almost three years since 2019, when Americans could expect to live, on average, nearly 79 years. Again, this is a phenomenon that is not restricted to our neighbors to the south. A report from Global News declares the current drop in Canadian life expectancy to be the largest since they started tracking the statistic. Canadians' average life expectancy dropped to 81.7 years in 2020, from 82.3 years in 2019, a drop of more than half a year. It is substantial because that is the largest decline ever observed, at least since 1921, the year our National Vital Statistics Registration Systems was introduced. Statistics Canada demographer Patrice Dion explained. The same report shows that this is not just a case of people dying a little earlier than normal, though that would be cause enough for concern. An additional and important factor for the decrease in life expectancy is the increased number of people dying young. Mortality rates increased in nearly all age groups, with the death rate among people aged 25 to 39 years old the highest it has been in more than 20 years, according to Statistics Canada. While we can talk about the world becoming more dangerous, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that the problem is primarily somewhere else. The reality is that in addition to the world becoming an increasingly dangerous place, our Western society here in Canada, the United States and elsewhere, is also becoming less safe. Many of the increasing dangers are the result of the slow erosion of the rule of law and basic morality. As these trends pick up speed, as further calls for defunding law enforcement or legalizing damaging behavior occurs, it destabilizes society in many ways. Much of what we have been examining in this section can be narrowed down to personal responsibility. But it's not entirely that simple. Yes, you can and need to be making wise decisions to adhere to basic moral law, to avoid dangerous substances and situations. Some of these elements are within your control. However, a society in which poor decisions are repeatedly made by others does affect your own safety. The increasing prevalence of drug use and so-called minor crimes is bad for everyone and highlights the reality of an increasingly dangerous world. In the next part of our program, 
we will turn to the Bible to see how increasing danger on both a global and local level were predicted nearly two millennia ago. We'll also see that while these things must occur, there is hope ahead for the future. Before we cover this crucial aspect, please do take the time to pick up your phone and call or go online to order your free copy of this eye-opening DVD, The Collapse of World Order. The three telecasts included on this disc paint an accurate description of the times in which we are currently living. On today's edition of Tomorrow's World, we're asking the question of whether or not our world is becoming more dangerous. We've reviewed reports from the United Nations, including remarks from the Secretary General. We've also heard from the Chief of Defense of the Canadian Armed Forces. Each of these voices clearly describing an increasingly dangerous world on a global scale. We've also examined statistics from here at home that show that the distance between North America and many of the trouble spots in the world has not kept life from becoming more dangerous here either. The Western powers have enjoyed a remarkable period of peace and prosperity over the last several decades, or even centuries. The 1800s were an entire century that was largely dominated by Britain, while the 1900s saw the United States as the world's preeminent power. The first two decades of the 2000s have come to a close and we see the relative stability that has existed following the Second World War evaporating. These prosperous nations are finding themselves stretched thin on the international stage, with too many crises erupting throughout the world to give adequate reaction to each one. On the home front, the power of these nations has not resulted in people living in utopia. While I certainly recognize that when compared to much of the world, our Western powers are still often considered safe. However, the gap is quickly fading. If the gap was fading because of increased prosperity and safety elsewhere, it would be cause for celebration. Unfortunately, our world, our nations, are becoming more and more dangerous, and we are left asking the all-important question, why? Longtime viewers of the Tomorrow's World program and readers of our free magazine understand that we sincerely believe and teach that many of the prophecies, warnings, and judgments described in the Bible are applicable to nations such as Canada, the United States, Great Britain, Australia, and New Zealand. Many of these prophecies describe what happens when a nation turns away from the being who had so richly blessed it. In his Olivet Prophecy, Jesus described a time of great trouble that would come upon the earth. He also described the conduct of society during that age. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Of course, this begs the question, what was life like during the days of Noah? Before we get into the specifics of that, think about what is being described here. It is a people conducting themselves as if nothing is wrong, seemingly not a care in the world, right up until it's too late. It is a time when people are so caught up in their own lifestyle, their own entertainment, and their own desires that they cannot see the trouble brewing in the world around them. When we look around, does that seem a little too familiar? The book of Genesis further describes the age of Noah. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Violence and wickedness. When we look at how we entertain ourselves today, do we see some similarities with the time of Noah? 
The Apostle Paul wrote two letters to a young minister named Timothy. In his second letter, he adds more detail to the description of society at the end of the age. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of God, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I do want to give one disclaimer here regarding the use of the scripture. It's likely that most generations that have existed since it was written looked at the generation coming up after them and felt that this passage accurately described the new generation. Likely all were correct to a point. My argument is not that we are there yet, but are we observant to see these traits becoming increasingly prevalent in our society today? Review that list of characteristics in 2 Timothy again and ask yourself what the natural result of a people behaving this way would look like. It's not pretty, and we are seeing more and more of it in our world today. This is what happens when a society which had its foundations believing in the existence of a creator trades in that belief for the thought that life evolved from nothingness, that life is meaningless, and that truth is a made-up construct that can be whatever you want it to be. God recorded a warning to the ancient nation of Israel of what would happen if they forsook the real God in favor of idols of wood or stone. The same is applicable when a nation forsakes God in favor of theory or hypothesis. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil which they have done, in that they have turned to other gods. The Bible predicted that the world would become increasingly dangerous in the time leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. This is something that we are beginning to see occur, though we do not know exactly how much time we have left. If you're not familiar with Bible prophecy, it's important to understand that it is not all doom and gloom and that it is given for a purpose. To understand that purpose, as well as the value and the hope that comes from understanding prophecy, let's contrast two passages. The first is from Luke 21. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. It describes the vast majority of people as being perplexed by what's going on. They panic and are in crisis to the point where some experience heart failure due to anxiety and fear over the situation. Now look at the instruction given by Christ in Matthew 24. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. His instruction is to not allow fear and anxiety to get the best of us, to recognize that while these things are not pleasant, they will be temporary, they will pass, and eventually the ultimate hope will be realized. 
After many of the inhabitants of Jerusalem were taken captive to Babylon, a time of national calamity when the situation appeared beyond repair, the prophet Jeremiah was inspired to write a letter to those who had been taken captive, offering insight into how God viewed them. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. While the situation appeared grim, God offered words of hope and promise for the future. The prophecies contained in the Bible culminate with the return of Christ and the establishment of a time of peace and prosperity beyond anything imaginable. This is described in the second chapter of Isaiah. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. We often refer to this time as tomorrow's world, as it is the future. It is the hope we hold on to that we look forward to following the times of trouble that we find ourselves in and that we know lie just ahead. The sad reality is that our world is growing increasingly dangerous. This is clear on the global stage, just as it is here in Canada and other Western nations. Our free resource, a DVD titled The Collapse of World Order, highlights many of the dangers we see growing today. Be sure to call and order your free copy. If you do not have a DVD player and still want to find the telecasts offered on this DVD, search for Our Increasingly Dangerous World on the Tomorrow's World YouTube channel, and you'll find this video. In the description will be links to the telecast contained on the DVD. Be sure to tune in every week. Gerald Weston, Stuart Bohovich, and I will continue to discuss the important events going on today and what they mean for you. Importantly, we'll continue to highlight the incredible hope for your future, the hope found in tomorrow's world.